The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Stanzi, wide open. Touchdown, Johnson Pulianos. Darrell Johnson Pulianos with another touchdown reception as he attempts to rewrite the Iowa record book with respect to receptions. For Stanzi, that's his 41st career touchdown pass. Well, he hasn't spoken to the media at large since August, but his game is doing all the talking right now. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the new football show from Hawkeye's Mike. The Iowa-Penn State game highlights are courtesy of ESPN with Mark Jones and Bob Davey, a very entertaining job calling the game. These guys are both good and work really well together. We very much appreciate it and thank them. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. On this week's show, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and the Reporters' Roundtable segment featuring Hawk Central's Pat Hardy and Hawkeye Insider publisher Rob Howe, along with Sean Patchett. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game. Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Michigan's Rich Rodriguez will review the Iowa-Penn State game and take a look at the Big Ten Conference. We'll also preview the Iowa-Michigan game. And during the course of the season, we hope to hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments by calling 866-74-HAWKS. We go on second and goal. Stanzi keeps it. Touchdown, Hawkeyes. It's a long trip. State College, Pennsylvania. We want to drive home tonight. Not with Not the yet. score and the way this is going. You've got to wonder if it was worth the price and the time you took to get here so far. Don't ask the alumni of Iowa that, though. It's worth it for them so far. On the other side, Ricky Stanzi, meanwhile, with his second rushing touchdown this season in the second of his career. Number 17 Iowa completely dominated Penn State in the 2010 Hawkeyes homecoming game, winning 24-3. It marked the biggest win in the series and was the Hawks' third straight victory over the 22nd-ranked Nittany Lions and the second-lowest point total scored by Penn State in the 23-game series, and it gave head coach Kirk Ferentz his eighth win in the last nine games over Joe Paterno. Iowa's defense overwhelmed Penn State from beginning to end, had true freshman quarterback Rob Bolden running for his life most of the game and stuffed any chances the Nittany Lions had of coming back with a terrific third quarter goal line stand when linebacker Jeremiah Hunter stood up Bolden and defensive lineman Christian Ballard flattened him a foot short of a TD. Adrian Claiborne played probably his best game of the year and the entire defensive line excelled. The Hawks also scored on a Sean Prater pick six late in the fourth quarter. The Hawks defense was so tight the Penn State only had one net offensive yard in the entire first quarter and didn't get its first first down until the second quarter, and by that time the Hawks already had a 10-zip lead. Iowa's offense was both efficient and effective in the first half, jumping ahead early, scoring 17 points, and controlling the time of possession. Quarterback Ricky Stanzi continued his solid play, and the Hawks are now 22-5 with Stanzi as the starter. Ricky threw for one TD, ran for another. He also became the first quarterback in history to lead his team to victory in three straight seasons against any Paterno coach 
coached team. If this game was to be Joe Paterno's last as head coach in Kinnick Stadium, it's probably one he will want to forget. The Hawks had a bye week and now play their first Big Ten Conference road game of the season against Michigan in Ann Arbor. It will be the Wolverines' homecoming game and the first time Iowa has played in the renovated and enlarged Big House. And broadcast school has really paid off. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Taking a look at post-game notes and key stats, with the win over Penn State, Iowa now has won 48 of its last 57 home games, dating back to 2002, and they are 16-2 since the start of the 2008 season and 4-0 this year. Under Kirk Ferentz, Iowa is now 5-7 in Big Ten openers. Ricky Stanzi was 16 of 22 for 227 yards. His two favorite receivers in the game were Marvin McNutt, who had five receptions for 93 yards, and Darrell Johnson Culianos, who continued his march into the Iowa history books. He ended up with four catches for 64 yards and one TD, and he now ranks third in career receptions and receiving yards. He is the fourth Iowa receiver with over 2,000 career receiving yards and is 11th on the career list with 11 touchdown catches. Sophomore running back Adam Robinson had all the carries out of the backfield, finishing with 95 yards in 28 attempts. He now ranks 25th all-time in career rushing yards at Iowa. Defensive end Adrian Claiborne led the Hawks with 10 tackles, including three tackles for loss and one sack, while Jeremiah Hunter accounted for eight tackles. Claiborne earned Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week for his play in the Penn State game. True freshman linebacker James Morris also saw his first extensive action and was credited with seven tackles and one pass breakup. He also made the defensive play calls on the field after subbing in for the injured Jeff Tarpinian and Troy Johnson. The Hawks were three for three in the red zone and have scored on 81 of their last 90 red zone possessions. Penn State was only one of three in the red zone, problem that has plagued the Nittany Lions all season. Iowa's opponents this season are a combined 6 of 12 in the red zone. Key stats, Penn State had 15 to Iowa 17. Net yards rushing 54 for the Nittany Lions, 122 for the Hawks. Net yards passing 247 Penn State, 227 Iowa. Total offense, Iowa 349 to Penn State's 301. Possession time, again in Iowa's favor, 3148 to 28-12, but a key was the possession time in the differential in the first quarter, where Iowa once again really dominated, holding the ball for 10 minutes and 52 seconds to Penn State's 408. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer, protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Visit prefins.com. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's Iowa-Michigan game. First up, Kirk Ferentz. With so much focus on how teams try to scheme to stop Michigan quarterback Denard Robinson, Ferentz has spent much of his time this past week answering questions about the Michigan offense. First, Kirk talks about what has allowed Robinson to be so effective this season. Uh, he's an excellent football player, and I know they, uh, I'm guessing what, what they hoped to uh, get from him 
when they recruited him is what they're, they've seen happen this year. Uh, he's a very dynamic football player, very explosive player, and with that, that uh, uh, offense that they give you, it, just, it presents an awful lot of challenges. They try to spread the field and basically have an extra extra man on the field because they've got a guy that can not only throw it, but they also can, you know, he can throw, he can run the ball. He's very dangerous. So yeah, it just it really makes it a, a challenge for you defensively when you when you play a team like this, and that's kind of, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Ference was asked what the secret is to attacking a player with Robinson's skill set. No one guy is going to defend him, and uh, yeah, it's like in any good offensive team, whether you're playing a really proficient passing team or uh, an option team or you know whatever. But if you're playing a team that's good offensively, you know you better you better rely on the whole team. I think that's really what they do, and yeah, he put he puts pressure on you because he may. You know, you may think he's going to run it, and then all of a sudden he pulls up and throws it down the field. And so he's got that ability. And uh, if guys get aggressive, the guys are responsible for passes first. If they get get too aggressive, they're you know they're, we're going to get burned on that. And, uh, and then conversely, if you wait for him to get across the line, yeah, you know, he's not easy to catch. So uh, he's got great speed, and uh, he's proven to be very durable as, as well. And uh, so it just it, it puts a lot of pressure on you. Ference was asked about his two backup running backs, Marcus Coker and Brad Rogers, and the progress they made in the bye week. They're better than they were a week ago. I don't know if they're good enough, but they're better than they were. That, that's the important thing, and that's all we were hoping for. But it was, it was a good week to give them some exposure, more exposure, more practice at things they haven't really had a chance to work hard enough on or enough on. And, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, they're, they're going to be fine. But we're, I'd feel, you know, a year from now, I'll be feeling a lot better about them. But uh, then we'll have other concerns then, probably. But they'll, they'll be okay. They'll, they'll get there. Kirk talks about the somewhat unique challenge Michigan's defense poses for the Hawks. You know, they, they've given up some uh, plays at times, some big plays, but, you know, they, again, they've got a lot of good players on that defensive unit, and uh, they've got a scheme that's unique. It presents a lot of challenges for you. Uh, won't be anything easy. And I, I just look back at last year's game. You know, they really made it tough for us to move the football. That, that's kind of what we'd expect again this year. I think uh, they've changed a little bit maybe, but uh, philosophically they're, they're really the same. And uh, it's the second year now with that uh, defensive coordinator, uh, his system. So it's kind of like the offense. I think the players are more responsive to what uh, they're being asked to do. And they, they make it tough on you. So you know, we're going to have to really be at our best. Yeah, it starts with they have good players. Uh, you know, got a lot of talented players. And then... They just do some things that are a little bit different than "quote unquote" your, you know, if there is such a thing as a standard defense. But uh, so it's it's a week I think where our guys are really going to have to be uh, very sharp on the game plan, and and really uh, our communication is going to have to be good, and that's that's going to be you know a little bit of a challenge on the road certainly. Ferentz was asked if what Iowa did against a Georgia Tech's high-powered offense in last season's Orange Bowl has any similarities to trying to slow down Michigan's offense. Sort of, kind of, but not not totally. You know, it's just a uh, it's a, it's a different offense, but but sort of, kind of. And that again, it's it's a little bit off the beaten path of what we would see normally. A lot of different guys that can hurt you. So that that's somewhere. Yeah, Georgia Tech's quarterback was different yet. Yet he could really, you know, he could make it tough on you too. So, but but clearly here, this is the the quarterback's the catalyst in this whole thing. And but they, you know, it's, it's like Georgia Tech in that they've got other ways to beat you. And you know, they can, they, again, so you got to get back to playing good defense. And yeah, you know, times you might choose your 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 you know lean left or lean right. But you do the same thing against a great passing attack. You know, if a team just came out and winged at 65 snaps a game, you know, I, I would assume they're good at it if they're doing that, and then you have to try to, again, decide which way you're going to lean in given circumstances. And Ference was asked if facing a player like Denard Robinson changes the approach of Iowa's acclaimed defensive line. Again, I mean, they better understand what their, their role is, what their assignment is. And, you know, if you get out of your lane or whatever your area of responsibility may be against uh, – 
Nathan Chandler, okay, who was a good quarterback for us. But, I'm, you know, it's not quite as critical. But you know, if we leave a little window open there, you know, this guy may just pull it down and go. And, and we all, we've got a bunch of folks chasing him then. So it's just, you know, it's, it's a little different dynamic that way. So it's, you, know, you, you just got to, you, know, you still have to be aggressive, but you can't be careless at all because it's, it's hard. Michigan head coach Rich Rodriguez was asked how the Michigan State defense was able to contain Denard Robinson. Well, they did, uh, they did a nice job of tackling and getting off blocks. And, and uh, again, they've got good players. And, and there were moments that we didn't execute as well. And Denard wasn't as sharp as he had been in some other games and, and, and all that. But, uh, you know, I think, again, it's, you know, know that we knew there were going to be moments where you, know, you play against a good team and, and you don't execute well and they do, then you're going to get stopped. We just got to correct our mistakes. And you know, we've kind of seen everything throughout the years against our offense, just as any offensive coach would say. You see the whole gamut of fronts and coverages and movements and things like that. So, and with our guys' experience up front, they had seen it before. And, and uh, you know, I thought in the game they made some adjustments. And, you know, beginning of the game, the you know, whole first half, we, we felt comfortable moving the ball. But, uh, you know, we, uh, in the second half, we didn't execute as well. The challenge is, is huge this week. We're playing one of the best defenses in the country without question in Iowa. It uh, doesn't give up yards to anybody. And so it's going to be a great challenge to see if we can execute this weekend. Rodriguez was asked why we are seeing so many good running quarterbacks in football the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it, it even goes back to uh, the days when I was an assistant at Clemson with Woody Dancer. Uh, you get a guy back there that uh, has got some obvious running skills and is a threat to run the football. Uh, you know, depending on what kind of offense, if you're going to run a spread offense or even a, uh, an old option offense, it gives you, a, it gives you another threat and, and it gives you another guy to add in the run game. And I think, you know, that's one reason why. But you're seeing more and more nowadays, you throughout the country in high schools of, of athletes at that position that, that can run and can throw. And, and uh, now they're, you know, they're starting to perforate into this college game. Rodriguez talks about how much he will learn about his team during this stretch of tough Big Ten games for Michigan against ranked opponents. Yeah, I think I think we'll learn a lot. I think a lot of it, what we're learning, we already kind of knew. Uh, you know, and obviously, I think the biggest thing is that you know, for for the young guys, particularly uh, some of the young guys in de- on defense, you know, that the, the experience is invaluable. Playing in a, you know, in a tough uh, Big Ten games and. And uh, whether it's home or on the road, and and growing from those experiences, and you know we know we know there's going to be some growing pains. We just got to minimize them the best we can. Rodriguez talks about the evolution of Big Ten offenses in recent years. I think it's it's not just in the Big Ten. I think it's throughout the country in college football. You're seeing the wide gamut of of various styles. I think that's what makes the college game so exciting. You know, the Big Ten is probably a lot of, a lot similar to the Big East where there were a few teams that would spread you out, a few teams that were more of a power-based offense, and, and some that were kind of in between. And you see the same thing in, in the Big Ten. There's some that are traditionally spread, some that are that are more eyebacks and come downhill, and then some that are kind of a mixture of both. And I think you're going to see more and more variety uh, throughout the game going forward as well because you know, there's a lot of offensive coaches that are very creative, and we all copy off of each other as well. Rodriguez was asked about the key to being able to run a more diverse offense. The simplest way is having really good players. <laughs> Guys, whether they're a quarterback or running back or receiver or offensive lineman, having really good players allows you the flexibility to do it. That probably all starts with a quarterback and what he can handle. Uh, both mentally and physically, but if you have great skill guys and 
you know, different positions. You obviously want to do some things to try to get them the ball and or let them handle the ball as much as possible. But I think it all probably starts off with the quarterback in most offenses. And Rodriguez was asked about his concerns regarding the Michigan team's depth given the rash of injuries suffered by the Wolverines. Yeah, it's a it's a major concern. I think a lot of coaches probably have it throughout the country. We've I don't know if I've had a season where we've had this many season-ending injuries with broken, you know, broken foot and broken ankle and a broken leg and you know a, a torn shoulder and so it's just it's uh, it's frustrating and it, it's kind of limiting some of the things we can do and probably forcing some guys into action earlier than we want but you know that's the reality we got to deal with it and, and uh, you know we we try to do very little limited hitting during the week to try to get them ready but at the same time you you got to do some fundamentals during the week and so I'm always holding my breath and crossing my fingers on our Tuesday and Wednesday practices especially on Tuesdays that because uh, we can't afford to lose anybody else. Here we go again on fourth and goal. They go empty. Bolden keeps it. No touchdown. Stopped short. Well, that was great effort. Christian Ballard, Jeremiah Hunter. After further review, the ruling on the field is confirmed. 14 plays, 70 yards, using up almost eight minutes on the clock, Bob, and unable, Penn State is, to get it into the end zone. We welcome back former Hawkeye and NFL star Marv Cook for his weekly stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Sean Patchett visits with Marv. All right, well, Iowa continues its dominance over Joe Paterno and Penn State. Uh, talk about the game overall, your thoughts. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, a combination of a couple things. I don't think Penn State was near as good as we thought. Actually, after watching the Illinois game, I think that kind of proved itself. But, uh, you know, defensively, I mean, I thought, you know, we – I thought first half we were dominant on both sides of the ball, and then I thought second half we just got a little conservative offensively. It was like we knew we had 10 points. That was enough to probably win, so why risk doing something crazy? So, uh, But, you know, I mean, it's, it's a win in the Big Ten, a great win, obviously, on uh, national TV, so those are always great for the program. Uh, you touched on uh, the 10 points, enough to win. As a coach, would you have pulled in your horns, so to say, that much? And how does that affect the mindset of the players? Well, I think you know when you got a defense that's as good as ours, it's it's hard not to. You know, the one the one thing that is looking back, you wish some of those freshmen would have got some carries. But you know, when you have a ten or fourteen point lead in a Big Ten game, you're probably going to stick with what you're most comfortable with. And obviously, they're very very comfortable with Robinson. So, you know, I mean, obviously, looking in hindsight, you know, Illinois beat them pretty handily, and we probably could have done the same if we'd have just kept playing. Uh, from your perspective, Iowa's offensive and defensive stars in the game? Um, defensively, obviously, Claiborne stepped it up a notch, and he's playing at a high level. And uh, Now that all these other guys are emerging around him, I think that's going to free him up you know, more one-on-one -on -one blocking against him. So uh, he played extremely well. Offensively, you know, just kind of workmanlike effort you know, for the most part. But uh, I mean, I thought the protection was great for Stanzi. He had lots of time to throw the ball when he did throw it, and you know, was very, very effective. Um, how tough is it for a freshman quarterback, regardless of how good they are, to come into an environment like we saw in Kinnick Stadium Saturday night? I, I think it's 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 amazing how how well he functioned. I mean, it's amazing it's amazing how well James Morris played, considering he got thrown into action. But. You know, to come in there, and, and in high school, you play a couple games when maybe this crowd noise is a factor, and 
but in the college level, it's it's almost deafening. It's almost like you have to start relying on hand signals and, and communicating that way, and and uh, everything tightens down, and the speed of the game is so much faster than in high school, and and um, it, it was amazing. I really thought that would be an issue with him. I actually thought he got better as the game went along. As a coach and a player. What typically goes on in a bye week? Uh, how much do you think Iowa focused on Michigan and Denard Robertson uh, last week versus this week in terms of preparation? Uh, well, I, obviously, they probably put some stuff in during the three hard days that they had of Michigan, but they're also going back and doing some stuff fundamentally that maybe the first five games they haven't been as tight as they would like to be. So you want to clean those things up during the bye week and then you know, ultimately take a look at uh, your remaining opponents and, and, and do some things that you think will ultimately help you uh, be better prepared for them when you do face them. So, whether that's in week seven, eight, nine, or ten, but you know you want those. You want to use those three days to get healthy uh, and to clean up things that haven't been as sharp as you normally have. But then ultimately, yeah, I mean you got to get ready for the next opponent, which is Michigan. In evaluating the team at this point, how do you assess the offense, defense, and special teams? I, mean, I think uh, you know offensively, we're pretty close to where I thought we'd be. At times, I think we look really, really good, and then we, we go into some, some times when we're not as effective, and I think that's due to the offensive line getting their chemistry down and their, and their timing down. And then the lack of depth at running back, I, I think, is, is going to hung on us a little bit from the offensive standpoint. Defensively, I love where we're at. I mean, I think they're getting continuing to get better each and every week. Uh, I think the front seven are still pretty dominant. And then the big disappointments with special teams. I mean, just the fact that, you know, PATs are becoming work for, for this, this program right now, and, and our kick coverage hasn't been very good as well. Iowa fans should reflect on just how well Ricky Sanzi has played this year, com comparing his stats with last year. Um, how impressive uh, has his turnaround been? I think. I think ultimately he's playing extremely well. I thought he played extremely well last year. If you take away the six or seven mental mistakes that he made that just were huge, obviously. I mean, if you take away, he had a phenomenal year. You know, and I think those are the mistakes that he's eliminating this year. He's not making those dumb mistakes. And, um, you know, he's seeing the field a little bit better, obviously. And, and, and I, I think he's been playing at a high level for the last 25 games, to be honest with you. I think he's playing pretty darn well. Have we seen enough to say this is Iowa's best receiving core in the fans years? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think obviously DJK, Marvin McNutt, the, the slew of tight ends that are in there, and, and Robinson out of the backfield. I mean, I think it is um, the best overall group we've had. And I think at, at the receiver position specifically, you know, I'm trying to think of who was alongside Ed Hinkle when he was there. But, uh, I mean, I think for those two, that pair of guys, that's pretty darn impressive. Uh, do you think it's safe to say that this is the best defensive line he's ever had? Um, wow, that's a good question. This one is probably real close to when they had Kroll and King inside and um, some of these other guys on the outside. It's pretty close. We've been pretty stout there for the last four or five years. Uh, moving on to the Michigan game. What do you think the Hawks learned watching Michigan State pretty much manhandle the Wolverines on both sides of the ball? That's it. I mean, that, you know, you, that's how you beat them. And that's how you, you control Denard Robinson by just controlling the line of scrimmage and controlling the football. And, and the best, best defense is a good offense. And, and uh, you know, offensively, we need to run the ball. We need to control the clock and score every time we get it down in there and, and keep him off the field. And when he is on the field, we've got to be good with rush lanes. We've got to try to make him one-dimensional. Can't allow him to run the football. And, and uh, you know, if he wants to pass it, I think 
Iowa would be willing to accept that versus him running for 50, 60 yard gains. I don't see it happening. I think our rush lanes are too disciplined. Our, our front seven is too solid as far as getting to the football. And, and I think it's going to be a long day for the young quarterback. Specifically, what kind of schemes would you expect to see Iowa's defense running to slow down Robinson? We're going to do what we do. We're going to be who we are. I just think you're going to see the key is, is, is when we are bringing pressure, you got to contain him. You cannot let him break. The, if you're bringing a blitz, you cannot let him break the pocket. So I think you're going to have someone spying him maybe inside, uh, looking for looking for the outlet. And, you know, I, I think wholeheartedly we're going to rush our four. Occasionally we'll rush a five, fifth guy. But, uh, you know, even with that, we'll be in good, solid rush lanes and, and keep him in check. And he's going to get five or six at a time. But, you know, as long as we're keeping him from 60, 70, we're okay. Uh, in spite of having a defensive squad full of highly rated recruits, uh, Michigan's defense continues to struggle and is at the at or near the bottom of Big Ten defensive ratings. How do you explain that? You know, coach in high school, you see a lot of these five-star guys. You see how they put labels on guys. And a lot of it's, a lot of it's based on on uh, track accolades, a lot of it's based on, you know, uh, statistics, a lot of it's based on, uh, you know, just things that truly I don't think at the end of the day making a football player, you know, football's about blocking and tackling and, and, and running to the football and, and playing with passion. And those are the things I think that, uh, you know, it's hard for coaches sometimes to, to, uh, to see when they're evaluating kids. And, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is, but I mean, I think, Sometimes you get kids that come in over-recruited. You know, they, they believe the hype. They think they're ready when they walk on a college campus because they've been told how great they are. And, and, and the bottom line is it's very rare for a guy to come in. It's getting more and more common because guys are physically uh, preparing better in their high school years. But it's just, it's just hard for a kid to make the transition from high school to college right away. And if you think, even for the ones that are playing in their freshman year, if you think you're as good as you can be, you got a problem because you have got a lot of room for improvement. Do you think Iowa will come out and try to attack with their passing game or stick with a fairly balanced approach? I think it'll be just what we are. I mean, I think I think ultimately we're going to run run the football. We'll take our shots selectively. I think, you know, I mean, we truly are a team that we we want to run the football to set up the pass. And the good thing about us is if we do struggle with it a little bit, Ricky Stanzi can throw it. But but I think you're going to see us try to run the football because ultimately, like I said, the best defense is a good offense. Uh, and the more we control the football, uh, I'm expecting a 44 to 16 time possession game because I truly don't think they can line up and stop our run right now. Uh, Big House, now the largest college stadium in the country. Uh, is there anything players or coaching staff can do to try and prepare themselves for that atmosphere? You know, it's, it's a different atmosphere in that it's like the Rose Bowl and it, it starts a slow gradual rise and then it gets to the back of the stadium, probably the 50, 60 rows is when it starts to get up more elevated. But so the, the crowd isn't really on you as much as normally. But I mean, it's, it's trust me, it's, it's one of the greatest college settings in, in America. So uh, the history of Michigan football, to think of all the players that have played on that football field throughout the Big Ten. And, it, it, you know, if you can't get jacked up for a game like that, then you're crazy. Uh, I was actually favored to win this game on the road at Michigan. Do you remember that ever being the case before? It's probably been a while. There was uh, a couple years in the 80s when they were down. They weren't as good as they normally were. But I, I think the one year we played them at home. And, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, your keys to the game and a final score prediction. I, I think we're going to dominate. I, I truly think it's going to be a, a, a lopsided game, and I see a 35 to 7, 35 to 10 type game. 
uh, where our you know our time of possession is just absolutely huge, um, and it's just and it's the physicality of the game with which we pay, play that just takes Michigan out of their comfort zone and and uh, you know forces them into an up tempo uh, two minute mode and and I don't think that they, they want to function like that. Final score? I'm going to say uh, 35 to 10. All right. Any other thoughts? Uh, no, I mean this is just prototypical Big Ten football. I mean I think uh, you know I think as we get into October, November, you're going to see some bad weather games and and the big physical teams. I think you know if I'm going to pick a front runner right now between I think you got Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Iowa. I think the four physical teams. There's a reason they're going to be at the top of the conference at the end of this thing. I think, and it's because they they line up and they get after it. Uh, real quick, as a coach. Any thoughts on Bielema going for two, up 25? You know, I know the card. I've seen it. I've got it. Uh, you know, I, if it's in the second quarter, I think that makes sense. You know, if there's five minutes, six minutes to go in the game, uh, and, and you know your team's pretty much got it well in hand. It's a three-possession game already. they got to score four times to beat you at 25. You know, 25-27 doesn't make a big difference to me. I, I, it, it is. I understand. But then again, though, I mean, it's the old Bob Stoops. It's not my job to stop my stop my guys. You know, it's your job to stop my guys. So, as a coach, I wouldn't have done it, but that's, you know, that's just me. All right, thanks. Confidence. It's the food of the wise man, but the liquor of the fool. In our Big Ten Notebook this week, going into the third week of conference play, five Big Ten teams are ranked in the top 25, including Ohio State, which is ranked number one in all three polls, AP, Coaches, and Harris Interactive. Other ranked teams include Michigan State, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan in two of the three polls. Penn State dropped out after losing its second consecutive game last Saturday. The Big Ten and the SEC are the only conferences with four or more teams ranked in the top 20 in all three polls, and as usual, there is a a growing chorus of conspiracy theorists and skeptics who are increasingly critical of the polls and the BCS, especially after some of the curious rankings this past week. Ohio State and surprising Michigan State are two of only seven schools in the country with 6-0 records. For the second time in the last three weeks, this weekend's Big Ten matchups will feature ranked teams facing off against each other when Iowa travels to Michigan and Ohio State plays at Wisconsin. The other potentially interesting conference game this weekend will be in East Lansing, where Michigan State will host an Illinois team coming off its big victory at Penn State. In other conference news, Ohio State coach Jim Tressel became the first coach in Big Ten history to reach the 100-win mark in just 10 seasons. Meanwhile, Joe Paterno remains only three victories shy of the 400-win mark, but unless his team starts playing much better, there's no guarantee he'll get there this year. The Big Ten also leads all FBS conferences going into this weekend, with six quarterbacks ranked among the top 16 nationally in pass efficiency. Iowa's Ricky Stanzi leads the way, followed by Northwestern's Dan Persa, Ohio State's Terrell Pryor, Michigan State's Kirk Cousins, Michigan's Denard Robinson, and Wisconsin's Scott Tolzien. No wonder six Big Ten teams are averaging over 30 points a game in offense and heading for their most prolific offensive production since the 2005 season. This is unprecedented ass kissing. <laughs> Not so happy Valley right now for those Nittany Lion fans. But uh, the other 77,000. Even happier after this interception by Sean Prater. And Prater's thinking about six. Touchdown! 
Sean Freighter, hamstring all summer. He feels pretty good tonight. That hamstring feels a lot better. Time now for our Reporters Roundtable with Pat Hardy and Rob Howe. You can read Pat's articles and columns in the Iowa City Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. You can check out Rob's features at HawkeyeInsider.com. Sean Patchett talks with Pat and Rob about last week's game and this Saturday's contest. All right, well, some have called Iowa's win over Penn State routine. What does it say about the state of the two programs at this point in time and Kirk Ferentz, uh, coach teams, dominating the Illinois? I didn't think Penn State had much of a chance coming into Kinnick a few weeks ago. I just you just look where they are as a program and starting a true freshman quarterback. Things you just ha- haven't seen in the history of Penn State under Joe Paterno, which goes a long ways back. I think people understand, at least on a national scale right now, where the programs stand. I mean, Penn State is an elite program, but they're not, not playing elite right now. Should Penn State's home loss to Illinois take any of the luster off Iowa's win? I mean, it probably shouldn't, but it will. I mean, people are. Hu- I mean, people are human. They're going to think the game. I mean, if, if I watched that game, and you could argue that Illinois looked more impressive in some ways than Iowa did, but you can't really go by. I mean, what's that? The six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You can't. I mean, you could go through and find teams that have played well against other teams. I think on that given day, Illinois played well, but I think it mostly speaks about Penn State. Like Rob was saying, Penn State's going through another one of those periods where they did earlier in the decade when they went three and nine, and this is different though now though because. Joe's a lot older, and I don't think this one they're going to be able to repair maybe under his watch. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, but Iowa's, to me, is the kind of team, don't get too high on them, don't get too low on them, because each week something different will happen. I think you just look at, and I put this on Twitter this morning and on my message board, when was the last time Iowa was favored to beat Penn State at home and then at Michigan on the road? I, I mean, is that the ever 50s happened? Maybe? It, so, wouldn't, it wouldn't have <laughs> been the 50s because I don't think it's ever happened. And I, tr- I tried to look this morning if Iowa's – when's the last time Iowa would, be, would have been favored at Michigan? Yeah, and I cannot maybe back in Evie's day, possibly. So that gives you an idea of kind of how the hierarchy of the Big Ten has just changed in the last, whatever, five years. Iowa is ahead of Michigan and Penn State right now as a program. But I still wouldn't be surprised if Michigan won on Saturday. (laughs) Uh, What impressed you the most about Iowa's victory against Penn State? Defense. I mean, as much as I thought Penn State's offense was anemic coming in and <laughs> looked anemic last week again against Illinois, I just I'm always impressed with how Iowa's defense plays um, against some pretty good athletes and pretty highly recruited guys. They just they gave Penn State nothing, and um, you know that's that's kind of I think what they're going to have to ride this year anyway. I would say defense and the crowd. I thought the crowd did a great job with the what do they call that the stripe out or. <laughs> Whatever, because lots of times Iowa fans don't follow through on this close commitment. That seems to be a big thing now. I figure if you're going to do it, do it right. And I know, did you talk to some recruits that were pretty impressed by the whole atmosphere? It was just neat seeing that. And then Rob said the defense. But I thought the defense would dominate because I just can't see a true freshman quarterback coming in and doing much under these circumstances. And I mean, Bolden maybe went a little worse than I thought. I thought they might be able to run the ball a little more, but Penn State seems to have abandoned the running attack for some reason, which I'm not sure of. But but no, I mean, it was the defense and the crowd. Uh, Rob, you wrote an interesting column about what we know and what we don't know about Iowa. Can you break that down a little bit? Uh, well, one of the points that I, I got on our message boards that I felt like people disagreed with was not knowing if Iowa's going to improve enough to get to Ohio State's level. Now, people 
Iowa fans feel like Iowa's already at that level. And they may, may very well be, but I still think when you look at Ohio State, they've won five in a row. You have to prove you can beat them. And I don't think Iowa's at that point yet. They still have some issues in the kicking game. They still have some issues on kick coverage. There are still, And it's not like Ohio State doesn't have issues. I just think that Iowa's going to have to continue, and they've done that in the Kirk Ferentz era, continue to get better as the season goes along. But Ohio State does the same thing. I'm still, I'm still hesitant to, to say Iowa is on that same level yet. And then the kicking game is something I focused on in that column too, just not knowing. Pat and I talked to Daniel Murray yesterday. It just And Murray made a good point. We don't know how Iowa's going to perform in the kicking game if it comes at a clutch situation. When, it's, when the game's on the line, if they trot Michael Meyer out there, who I've been impressed with, is he going to make that big kick against, you know, if it's this week, if it's against Ohio State or Wisconsin or Michigan State, it seems like Iowa's going to be in a lot of close games this year. And is the kicking game going to come through? What's your assessment of the offense at this point in time? I mean, okay. I mean, losing Jewel Hampton and not having Wegger, that hurts because I think they – I'm assuming they thought they were going to be a lot more flexible at running back. Right now, they basically – Adam Robinson's going to get the ball 25, 30 times. There's not going to be a real change of pace guy. I think it's only – I would like to see them get Darrell more involved, but it seems like the faster and bigger the opponent is, that's when Ricky relies more on Darrell. The tight end's going the way I thought it would. Reisner's good for four or five catches a game, and – I don't think the Iowa offense is ever going to be a smooth running engine under. It's just it's kind of always a work in progress. But I'd say right now, other than 2002, this is about as good a pieces as they've had when you factor in receivers and running back and quarterback and what have you. So, I mean, I think it's it's decent. And they're going to have to score. I would say at least four touchdowns to win Saturday. So the offense is going to have to. And I think there's a lot of Iowa fans who just assume the offense is going to come out and rack up 450, 500 yards. And I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I'm not sure how to feel on that right now. Five weeks in, are you sticking with your preseason predictions in terms of overall record? Yeah, we had them both the same. Yeah, identical. same losses, nine and, three. nine and three. Yeah, I think that's still pretty solid. I mean, I had Iowa losing this game at Michigan, but I could see them winning this one and then strip, maybe losing at Northwestern or you know even, losing even, to Wisconsin or Michigan State. Yeah, I, I mean there are a lot of hurdles still to get over. Yeah, so nine and three under the circumstances right now is still not that bad. I know a lot of Iowa fans are offended by that pick, but yeah, no, I I feel I don't want to say I feel good about it. I just right now I still think Michigan. Michigan is better than a lot of people think, and I think the defense that's gonna, that's going to be interesting. If Iowa can't run the ball Saturday, that will be interesting to see how they counter that. And the granted, Michigan's pass defense is not very good, but if you can't run the ball, that'll allow you to kind of support the pass defense. So I don't know. I'm, I I just don't think the Iowa offense is going to come out and roll up 500 yards on Saturday, but I could be wrong. We haven't talked about about recruiting for a few weeks. Uh, several of Iowa's commits are having outstanding senior seasons. Yeah, starting with the quarterback, Jake Rudock. He's really played well. Um, he's on a great team, too. Yeah, I haven't really done a, a lot of research on, on how these guys are doing. Um, I know uh, Jake Doozy's had a pretty good year. Ray Hamilton's had a pretty good year. Um, a lot of the guys that they're pursuing are, are, are playing really well. Um, still haven't gotten anything out of that big weekend against Penn State. We've talked a lot about Penn State. There were a lot of official visits on that weekend, and uh, a lot of those kids are still looking at other schools. Demir Bird 
is a big one. He uh, visited South Carolina for that upset against Alabama. Didn't commit, though. Didn't commit, but there's been some tweets and there's been some stories today saying he's starting to lean towards South Carolina. That wouldn't surprise me. So that visit down there is huge. I think... Iowa's put together a nice class, and as you said, they're they're having they're all having a nice. See, Melvin Gordon's playing really well, the Kenosha, Wisconsin running back. It's just a matter of they've gotten the guys that they've beaten. You know, Wisconsin, Michigan State, some of the schools on the same level. Can they get? You know, the the last can they fill their last seven to eight scholarships with some some big in big name impact kids? And that remains to be seen. We probably won't know that till December or January. It appears that commits elsewhere in Notre Dame, for example, are reopening the recruiting and looking at Iowa. Yeah, well, Aaron Lynch seemed like he opened it up for about a day, and then his mother shut that down again. And then Anthony Pearson, who's a running back cornerback out of uh, out of East St. Louis, uh, opened things up again yesterday. It's hard to say really where Iowa stands with those. I mean, Iowa's a a name that a lot of recruits and we talked about the the elevation of the Iowa program and the eyes on a national landscape I, I don't think I, or I, I should say I do think that recruits like to throw the Iowa name out now it's it means something when I was interested in them and I think that's the case but we've I am Pat's covered recruiting longer than I have when you get to this point with the Cyrus Candigios and these big name kids it's nice that they include Iowa, but being able to close on kids like that, is, it's difficult. It's always easier to pick the field. And I know there's one perception here that if they get guys on campus here at Iowa, that closes the deal. That does with a lot of guys, but the big five-star guys, that's not going to be just getting them on the campus. It's, it's going to have to take a special fit, a special feel, and what have you. So, I mean, like Demir Beard, I... The circumstances were perfect for South yep. Carolina to recruit him. It was last bad night. luck for Iowa. You know, they beat the number one team in the country, and it was a full house. And Steve Spurrier emphasizes the passing attack more than Iowa does. So you could see why a kid like that would pick South Carolina. Spurrier seems like he's content there. That looks like that's going to be his final job, and it's no further away from the campus. And it's too bad because that, to me, since I've been doing recruiting, finding quality big-time receivers from around the country has been by far their biggest problem here at Iowa. And I'm not really sure why. It just seems it just they can't close the deal on receivers. I, I mean, they've landed a couple big-time running backs over the years, quarterbacks, but they've just never really scored that big receiver. The kid from Texas, I'm sure, is very talented, but he wouldn't. he's not like a high-profile recruit. Vincent? Vincent. Yeah. I mean, he's a, I'm sure he's a good player, but they just, they've come up short. Guys like Dwayne Jarrett and David Nelson from Florida, yeah. they've been in on guys that just can't close. And you look at you know, Ja'Cory Shepard, who they had early yeah. in this recruiting process, and then he decommits and goes to Kansas because he felt like he fit better in into that offense. Yeah, and yeah. that just – there's a stigma, I think, with Iowa, like it or not, that they haven't put receivers in the pros. I mean, when they recruit against other schools, schools can say, hey, listen, we got, you know, X, Y, and Z, and we put him in the pros. Iowa hasn't Tim had a Dwight. receiver drafted since Kevin Casper yeah. in the fourth and round. And he never really stuck. No. Tim Dwight's the last one to stick, and he was mostly a returner. And things could change with, with Darrell, you know, Darrell and Marvin, and Marvin McNutt. McNutt coming yeah. down because Iowa does well with, you know, big-name tight ends, big-name offensive linemen, big-name running backs. They seem to be in there. Like Pat said, though, they just haven't been able to do that at wide receiver. Let's turn to this weekend's game at Michigan. What do we know about this Michigan team, especially after their loss to Michigan State? I've heard they got a pretty good quarterback who's who's elusive if you let him get in space and open field. I mean, 
This is what Michigan is long. I, obviously, they need to shore up their defense. But if Michigan even had a halfway decent defense in this type of offense, this is Michigan football under Rich Rodriguez. It's what West Virginia was like in the Big East, a very athletic running quarterback, a very unpredictable defense. Right now, for some reason, and like I wrote this today, I still don't buy it that they don't have the personnel on defense. There's something missing with the Michigan defense because I went down the list, and they have five four-stars starting on their defense. They have a five-star that's a backup nose tackle right now. They got four-star backup linebackers, and I just I, I, I just don't buy that. But I think what you're seeing with Denard Robinson, that's Rich Rodriguez's offense at its best, but you also see what happens when a big, strong team like Michigan State that's got strength all over on defense, what happens? Denard Robinson had to beat them with his, with his arm last week, and he couldn't do it. He missed on some open receivers, and that's the weakness you have with this offense to get that type of quarterback. Rarely is he also going to be a great thrower, and that was Pat White's problem. He couldn't really throw the ball. So if Iowa can force Robinson into throwing the ball more than he wants to Saturday and in positions where he doesn't want to, I think they have a really good chance of winning. You, you made a good point earlier about being able to run the ball. If Iowa's offense can maybe put together some decent Shoot drives and, and cut down the amount of opportunities exactly. that Denard Robinson That's what has. Michigan State did. Yeah, you don't – I mean, I, I don't know if you watched the Indiana game against Michigan, but it was 18 just – minutes. It was just up and down the field, up and down the field. I don't think that works. And, and no. I'm not saying Iowa can't win a game like that, but I don't think that's the game they want to be. They don't want to get into that. Uh, what trends will you look for early in the game – Running. If Iowa can come out and if she's noticed a surge with the offensive line and Adam Robinson's getting three and four yards before he gets hit, that's going to be a good sign. But if there's a lot of plays where Michigan's stunting and Robinson's getting hit for two-yard losses and they're faced with third and nines and next thing you know, there's two or three series where they have to punt and all of a sudden Denard Robinson scored two touchdowns, that's what they have to avoid. They have to be able to start fast by running the ball and like Rob said, chewing the clock and just keeping them off the field. I think you'll be able to tell pretty early how Michigan's going to handle the run. I think by the end of the first quarter, you're going to know if I was going to be able to at least, I don't want to say control its destiny on the ground, but they want to be 60-40, I think, running probably even 70-30 in a game like this if they can do it. I think Michigan's going to, you know, if you look at the Arizona tape, what frustrated Iowa on defense and what gave them trouble, we still, going back to my column of what we don't know, we still don't know the level at which this offensive line can play. And if you can put some pressure on them, some blitzes, delayed blitzes, safety blitzes, do some different things against Iowa's offense and maybe cause some confusion because – Iowa is susceptible susceptible to the turnover, and if they turn the ball over and give again give Denard Robinson extra chances, that could be a, you know that could be a dangerous formula. Yep. Uh, key players for the Hawks and key players for the Wolverines. You know, Denard Robinson, of course. I think also I'm going to say for Michigan's defense, I think if Mike Martin can get pressure on Stanzi and hold his own up front, that's going to be interesting. If they can match Iowa physical-wise, that's I think that'll change the tone. And then for Iowa, you always have to say Stanzi. I'm going to say Claiborne too. I mean, just and I say Claiborne, I'm really speaking on behalf of all the defense because to beat Robinson, you're not. It's got to be 11 guys all sticking to their assignments, staying in their lanes, keeping him in front of them. I'll just say Claiborne just to kind of the represent the defense. Yeah, I would agree with the Iowa when Iowa you know had time to prepare for Georgia Tech it's not an exact same offense but 
the, the discipline to stay in your lanes and, and play assignment football, it seems like cliche or maybe oversimplifying it, but it's really the case. And then I would say Troy Johnson, too, because I think I don't think Tarp's going to play this week, and he's the most athletic, experienced linebacker in the middle. Troy Johnson's going to have a lot of pressure on him in that middle line. I know Kirk downplayed how much pressure is on the middle linebacker against a guy like Denard Robinson, but Greg Jones played really well last week, and, and to have a middle linebacker that can uh, can make plays against Denard Robinson is, is a big deal, and I think that's gonna there's going to be some pressure on Troy Johnson this weekend. I think it's a big game for the Iowa cornerbacks, too. I mean, we're going to see how they can tackle in space, and I think they really, there's going to be times where Prater and Micah Hyde are going to have to make plays on Denard Robinson or it's a 20-yard game. But that's part of the challenges of being a Big Ten cornerback. And I'd say offensively, I think it's Iowa's offensive line. Yeah. They've got to be able to pick up blitzes. Uh, they've got to be able to, to give Stanzi some time here because I think Michigan's going to go heck-bent on stopping the run because I think that's the key to stopping Iowa and Stanzi's going to need some time and if if he gets popped a few times with with Michigan's defense as you said is super athletic and they can get guys at the quarterback. And they're better at stopping the run than they are the pass. It's a big game for Iowa's offensive line. Yep. Final score prediction? I'm going to say Michigan 28-24. I don't have one yet. I know that doesn't work well for this podcast, but I'm still, I'm still kind of thinking about it. I'm working on my preview. That's what I was doing when I came over here today. I'm not sure. I've, like Pat said, I picked Michigan before the season. I'm just not sure. I think I'll probably, probably stick with Michigan by, by a field goal, maybe. But I reserve the right to change that as the week goes on. And so do I. Right now, though, I'm still <laughs> leaning towards Michigan. Any other thoughts? This is big. I mean, for Iowa, if they can get a win at Michigan and then they have home games against Wisconsin and Michigan State, this three-game stretch will know if they're ready to challenge Ohio State, I think. Because if they can win these three games, man. What's funny, though, I don't know if funny is the right word, but in the opinion of most Iowa fans, they have to win these three games to meet the expectations that all these people have for them. I mean, I mean, that's there's no margin for error for them to meet the expectations of a lot of these the 11-1s and the 12-12-0 and is done, but there's a lot of 11-1 Iowa fans out there. I'm sure they're a little – see, it's a long grind. So I say if they get two out of these three, that's not the end of the world. Yeah. And I think Michigan State, at least from my perspective, they're better than I thought they'd be. Way better than I thought they were. And they're staying healthy. They've got a Ricky Stanzi-like quarterback who's probably even a little more athletic. Three great And the running best running back. <laughs> even if Iowa would have kept all their running backs, I'd still take Michigan State's trio over. And that's no knock on the Iowa guys. I just lay on Bill. An NFL running back just waiting to happen. And it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. And but, big games this week. Ohio State, yep. Wisconsin. A lot. We'll find out a lot. It's early in the Big Ten season, but we'll find out a lot this weekend. Yes, we will. Thanks. What is the most inspiring thing I ever said to you? Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. <laughs> HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS.
Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. And check us out on Twitter and Facebook. And don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs on Hawk Central, Hawkeye Insider, and in the Daily Iowan. I just wish your friends were as mature as you. They are mature, actually. You just have to get to know them better. Paging Dr. Douchebag! Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Iowa travels to Ann Arbor this weekend to face a very dangerous Michigan offense, a puzzling defense, and 113,000 fans in the newly renovated Big House with a nationwide television audience watching on ESPN and ABC. The Hawks are 4-1 and and coming off their bye week, while Michigan stands at 5-1 and after losing at home to in-state rival Michigan State last Saturday. This is the 56th game in the series, which the Wolverines lead 50-11-4. The two schools have split the last six games. Iowa's last win in Ann Arbor came in 2002, and the Hawks won last year's game in Iowa City 30-28. Kirk Ferentz is in his 12th year as Iowa's head coach with a career record of 97-77 and 85-56 and and in the Big Ten. Michigan's Rich Rodriguez is in his third year in Ann Arbor with a record of 13-17 and 118-79-2 and and overall. This is a critical game for both teams. A loss would do major damage to Iowa's title hopes, while Michigan would be completely knocked out of any championship contention if the Hawks win. It will be a classic matchup of one of the best defenses in the nation, Iowa, versus one of the leading and most explosive offenses in the country, Michigan. When you think Michigan this season, most of the focus, and deservedly so, has been on sophomore quarterback Denard Robinson, who has been almost unbelievable. He's a terrific runner and a good passer. He averages 165.2 yards rushing, 8.3 a carry, and is ranked among the better quarterbacks quarterbacks nationally in passing, completing 67.2% of his passes. He's also been prominently mentioned in Heisman discussions, and for good reason. His stumble last week against the Spartans showed some inexperience when he was picked off three times, including twice in the end zone. In spite of that, he still rushed for 86 yards in that game and threw for 215. It was the toughest defense he has played against so far in 2010, and now he has to face an even better defense when the Hawks come to town. Robinson has a bunch of excellent receivers who pose a diverse threat to Iowa's linebackers and defensive secondary. The Wolverines came out of the game against the Spartans, still ranked in the top three nationally in offense. And any offense that good will pose a major threat to any defense. They've also converted 23 of 26 times in the red zone. Yet, here comes the Iowa defense, leading the nation in scoring defense, second in rushing defense, and fourth in total defense. And the Hawks have not surrendered a rushing touchdown this 
this season. Something has to give in this matchup. Michigan's defense continues to struggle. The Wolverines' D has been susceptible to both running and passing attacks, and Iowa has both. How bad has Michigan's defense been? Well, if they stay on their current track, they will likely end the season statistically as the worst defense in the history of Wolverines football. Their secondary has been picked apart. They've been unable to sustain any effective rush from the defensive line, often employing a three-man front, and they haven't been able to stop the run either. Ricky Stanzi will have to continue his solid play, limit any turnovers, and deal with the incredible crowd noise the Hawks will face in Michigan Stadium. The offensive line will have to continue to improve. You would expect Adam Robinson to have a good day, and you would think Iowa's receiving core is salivating over the possibilities of shredding the Michigan defense. Both teams have question marks when it comes to place kicking. If it comes down to a field goal attempt, it could be pretty scary for either side. One footnote, this game will be the third time since 1984 that Michigan has played Iowa in its homecoming game. Both previous contests have been won by the Hawks. Iowa is actually favored in this game. That's something that's pretty rare, and they are probably the better team. But playing Michigan anytime in the big house is a dangerous proposition at best, and the Wolverines are always very talented. Iowa really needs this game to keep its momentum going, to contend for the Big Ten title, and to have a chance to play in the Rose Bowl. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. They've won eight of nine now against Penn State. And the Nittany Lions drought here at Kinnick Stadium continues. Haven't won here since 1999. Now own four in games since that time. Iowa wins it 24-3, improving to 4-1 on the season, and in the process notching their first Big Ten win of the season. Penn State falling to 3-2 next week at home against Illinois. Our thanks again to ESPN for the game highlights this week. Once again, another nice job of capturing the excitement of Iowa football. And thanks to our regular contributors, Marv Cook, Pat Hardy, Rob Howe, and Sean Patchett. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.